This is a message for those that work in manufacturing across the UK and Ireland. Do your engineering maintenance stores keep you awake at night? Are your engineers spending excessive time sourcing and finding the spare parts they need? Eric's on-site teams take responsibility for your indirect supply chain, including both your MRO procurement and inventory control. And, as the name suggests, we do this while being based on your site. For more information, visit www.erics.co.uk forward slash em. This episode of Engineering Matters is supported by The Optimistic Outlook. The Optimistic Outlook is a great listen for fans of Engineering Matters. It is a podcast for anyone intrigued by innovation across sectors, whether you're in healthcare, infrastructure, energy or beyond. The show is hosted by Barbara Hampton, CEO of Siemens USA, and offers invaluable insights relevant and impactful for all industries. I think what you're really going to like is that Barbara Hampton is not just a CEO, she's a thought leader in the corporate world. In the podcast, you often learn from her journey to the top of Siemens USA, getting invaluable lessons on leadership, decision-making, and navigating the complexities of the modern workplace. Barbara brings a wealth of knowledge, not just about manufacturing, but about its ripple effects across all sectors. Her perspective illuminates how manufacturing innovations are setting the pace for changes in healthcare, infrastructure development, energy sustainability, and more. Regardless of your industry, the optimistic outlook is a source of motivation and forward-thinking ideas. Barbara's expertise in connecting dots between manufacturing and other sectors reveals actionable strategies for innovation and leadership in any field. We invite you to explore the optimistic outlook and join a broad audience that values transformative ideas, including us. Search for the optimistic outlook wherever you get your podcasts. What do you think when you hear ageism in the workplace? Perhaps an older worker being overlooked as a company looks to change its culture and embrace new technology. Maybe it's a 50-plus job seeker who's up to three times less likely to get an interview compared to a 28-year-old white man with years less experience. However, some experts view ageism as more of a U-curve, with young employees facing their own obstacles and stereotypes. One study found one-fifth of UK employers don't hire from the 22 to 25 age group. But many industries are undergoing rapid change, with job roles changing and more reliance on working with new technologies. Not all industries have been as slow to embrace the value of young employees. For example, tech. Facebook has a median employee age of just 28, and Google's is 30. And tech companies have experienced huge success relying on young employees. One example is the story of Amazon. Charlie Ward was an engineer who put a suggestion in the company's digital suggestion box. His idea was for customers to pay an annual fee and then Amazon could offer them free shipping for the year. Jeff Bezos loved the idea. And not long after, Amazon Prime was created, which now has over 200 million members and makes over £35 billion a year. As the engineering industry undergoes its own tech revolution, the role of the next generation of employees is going to be vital to companies' success. 
And with a skills gap emerging across STEM industries, hiring and developing the next generation of engineers is going to be crucial to the industry's success. Welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Johnny Dowling. And I'm Rian Owen. For this episode, we've partnered with Atkins Realis to hear from three of their younger employees about their views on the future of engineering and what companies can do to support the next generation of engineers. Early this year, Goldman Sachs made headlines when they released a report that claimed 300 million full-time jobs could be replaced by artificial intelligence. There are many surveys that have looked into younger workers' views on AI, but one has found that as high as 76% of Gen Z fear losing their jobs to the software. But that is not a view shared by all. Lily Harden works in aerospace defence security and technology at Atkins Realis as a junior consultant. And it was the use of emerging technologies like AI that attracted her to the role. I was initially attracted to AI and emerging tech when I joined Atkins. So my first role within the company was in a digital project. So looking at how we can transform the way we use tech and data globally. So the focus of this project was looking at how we can accelerate our capabilities in artificial intelligence, advanced analytics and machine learning. So I was really interested in it because I was seeing how advancements in AI and emerging tech was actually going to impact my role in the future. And I was seeing how how exciting these advancements are. And I was really at the forefront of this piece of work and emerging tech and technology. So yeah, that's definitely sparked my initial interest. And then ever since then, I've tried to work in projects or areas of the business that are impacted by this emerging tech. Albert Abel recently graduated from Georgia Tech after studying civil engineering. What brought me into that field was mainly my interest in in the transportation industry in general. Growing up in Atlanta area, the transportation there isn't as well developed as other cities throughout the world. And so I thought that if I could join a, a company that that does use the leading technology that I'll be able to make the biggest difference in my hometown. And his experience with AI is that it's already making his work much more efficient. And I, I see I see emerging technology and AI integrated with all of the different software that we use today. And it's it's not it's nothing like the AI is taking over the job or anything, but it's making it extremely more efficient in terms of the quality and the details and how many projects a few engineers in the company can can produce and send out to the government in a shorter period of time. And it allows the engineers, the designers, and everyone involved in the project to focus on a lot more of the important things such as safety and how it affects the surrounding people and and community rather than rather than focusing on oh how do i how do i draw this and did i did i create this right because now we have the ai to step in 
for that role. Abdul Rahman Al-Nakazar agrees with Albert that emerging technologies and AI can make the role of a junior engineer easier and more interesting. Actually, the AI is uh, really surprised us uh, because uh, it's making now everything, uh, we can change everything and develop it so quick, so fast. Uh, rather than before, it was like the analysis and uh, the plan takes a long time. Now the AI can be uh, uh, make our life uh, really easy and also uh, we can make analysis for the future from the big data and uh, some uh, like uh, aspects such as automation and uh, simulation and especially in the engineering uh, we can make uh, our like uh, our studies really clear and fast one thing the young engineers highlighted was how new technology has changed their roles for the better Tasks like collecting data or updating numbers in a report no longer require hours of work from a junior employee. It can be automated, freeing up junior employees to do more interesting tasks. When Abdul Rahman joined the King Salman Park project, which is a proposed park in the heart of Riyadh, five times larger than Central Park in New York, and seven times the size of Hyde Park in London, he was tasked with updating their reports. When I joined with the uh... King Salman Park in 1st of January. Uh, our reports and quality department was by using the PowerPoint and uh, some, uh, let's say, is, uh, programs. So I convert that, uh, and it was very, really headache because we need to make the reports, some of the reports daily, weekly, and monthly. Because we are uh, handling the site wide, it took for me uh, uh, time to collect all the data from uh, other consultants and uh, contractors. Uh, to make that report, so uh, really it was for me a little bit headache. So he built his own program that would collate the data from various sources, update them, and bring them into one dashboard. So they just need to go to the dashboard, our quality dashboard that I built. They can use uh, any construction package they needed or the site wide, they have a choice, and just click it and refresh it. So wherever the DC team, they update the logs, directly going to be updated for my dashboard. So just I click the refresh and cut the date and easily just for the seconds I got the report. So uh, that helped me because in the previous I was wasting my time and now I have enough time to think about another procedures, standards. Albert has also found that the utilization of technology has taken him away from doing busy work early in his career. So one is being able to analyze the amount of traffic flowing through a certain segment or intersection. Obviously, the traditional method is to have a field engineer sit in one spot and individually tally every single car that passes by over the course of several hours to kind of get the overall ADT average daily traffic that flows through that section. But now we have sensors and it's kind of it's kind of interesting how those sensors are able to only count cars and not pedestrians or or birds flying by or, or anything else that moves around it. Rather than technology making young employees nervous about their role in the workplace, they have seen it as a positive force in improving their job role. 
But if the role of an engineer is changing, what about the training engineers take? Does that need to change? So I think the technical skills, the engineering-based uh, disciplines are, are remaining the same and they're, they're very much needed in order for someone to practice uh, practice sound engineering judgment and, and make decisions and design and all, all these types of things. Eric Marks is a professor of engineering at the Georgia Institute of Technology. Uh, but but certainly the, the technology and the innovation demands have certainly increased um, Certainly the familiarity with software, but also um, being being familiar with technology and, and not being necessarily fearful of technology, but embracing it and engaging it, um, that seems to be um, highly, highly desired. And even on the, on the academic side, uh, what we typically have industry advisory boards. So these are members of the, of the industry that come and, and advise us on our curriculum, what we're teaching, why we're teaching, um, how we're teaching, kind of all of the above. And certainly that uh, that theme rings true on the industry side of we, we desperately need students that um, can come into our company and, and add to the kind of innovative culture that we're attempting to, to build. Graduates are able to leave university with not just a great understanding of how technology is being used in industry, but also with hands-on experience using it. But Eric says there is an important balance to be found between teaching how to use specific software and teaching the role of technology in engineering more broadly. We try to do a mix of, of both of those things because there are, um, at a very base level, uh, uh, construction companies or general contractors are excited when students can use certain scheduling software and project management software. So, so we introduce the students to those software packages. But, but probably more importantly, we, we attempt to have students um, kind of understand the process, understand the role that, techno uh, that technology can play and kind of um, certainly um, have them think about specific examples, specific software packages and specific technologies, but also to kind of think of, of the broad picture of how does this um, automation change a company, change our, our entire industry? And I think that's maybe even a bit more valuable to be thinking in that space and kind of um, have a passion and, and kind of an excitement for implementing technology for the future. Recent graduates are entering a world where a lot of what would have been their role earlier in their career is changing. But they also have skills well suited to working alongside technology. But I think... A lot of people assume that young people are quite tech savvy and are used to change. So I think we're quite, we're in a good place um, when it comes to a, adapting to new technology and should really help to reduce that sort of learning curve. But I think it's really important for young people to be involved in, in, in AI and emerging tech because, you know, we're the future leaders in this industry. So we have the opportunity to sort of drive that technological transformation. But there are a lot of updates in the technology that we use that the more senior engineers are uncomfortable with using as they have several decades in experience using the older technology. And so the senior engineers at my location, they they really they give a really big chance or kind of opportunity to the younger engineers to kind of step in and and show to everyone else, oh, we can, we can really utilize our technology skills and adapt to whatever updates are being applied to the technology that we use. And in the end, it's, it's really similar functions to plastic technologies. It's just different, 
there's different inputs, different functionalities, all to achieve the end, same end product, but more efficiently. To give companies confidence in the ability of recent graduates, academic organizations like Georgia Tech work with industry to create courses that will be of most use to young engineers in the workplace. We typically have industry advisory boards. So these are members of the, of the industry that come and, and advise um, us on our curriculum, what we're teaching, why we're teaching, how we're teaching, kind of all of the above. And, and certainly that, uh, that theme rings true on the industry side of we, we desperately need students that can come into our company and, and add to the kind of innovative culture that we're attempting to, to build. We have uh, fantastic um, industrial partners that, that give uh, quite a bit of feedback on, on what they're experiencing um, on construction sites and what they're experiencing on, on the field. And then kind of coupled with that, we try to push it even further on the academic side, but we have a, a totally different space than what a, a normal kind of um, industry position might look like. So, so we can push the uh, technology envelope, we, we can get more towards the cutting edge innovation we value their, their feedback quite, quite greatly, and, and we make a lot of changes to our curriculum based on what they're experiencing in the industry. But we also couple that with our engineering accreditation. We couple that with um, the innovation that we see um, kind of coming down the path for the future. And we kind of get an average or kind of normalized value of what these companies desire. And that's, that's kind of what thrust or kind of what are the core components of our curriculum. The relationship between academic institutes and the engineering industry gives companies confidence in the university graduates, leading them to give younger employees more opportunities. This also makes those companies a more attractive place for young engineers to go work. So even when I started as an intern at Atkins, they never had me doing any, any kind of what you would consider intern tasks. It, it kind of, because of that technology, I kind of was able to jump straight into these, these big complicated projects that I would think that I would need several years to even, even be able to touch on. The companies that I work with here at Georgia Tech are, are absolutely fantastic in, in understanding what, what a specific generation desires or what a specific type of student desires. And they, they're very flexible and, and kind of satisfy those needs to the students. So, so it, it's, it's kind of impressive how well they um, are able to connect to, to the students. And, and actually, I don't have any advice, to be honest. I, I, I know what internships and co-ops look like several years ago and that they weren't um, the, the most fun things. They weren't very exciting to be honest, or some that, that I've heard about, but it seems that's not the case anymore. What new entrants want from a job may be quite different to those who have been in the workforce for many years. One poll found that 71% of 15 to 25 year olds say that their job having a positive impact on the environment is a key factor in choosing their career path. It's a great time to enter into that engineering, um, engineering space we have many more attributes of, of companies and, and design and kind of all of the above that haven't been there before. So if we think about aspects like environmental protections that maybe weren't so popular and weren't so embedded in our construction contracts 10 or 15 years ago, um, now that's a big part of the project budget. And so environmental engineering students have a role to play in the construction industry. Sustainability is, is a huge deal in, in civil as well as construction engineering. 
currently. So students that have a background, that have a passion for, for that space, uh, seem to, to do very well in, in civil engineering as well as construction. Despite being from different places and working in different fields of engineering, all our three graduates are of the view that using more technology will not only make the life of an engineer better, but has the capacity to make everyone's lives better. Um, it's definitely helped me feel very optimistic about the future of engineering in this industry. Like we've all said, it's not only improving our own time spent on the job, so we're becoming more efficient because of these new technologies and we're saving lots of time, but also just from a safety perspective, the advancements we're seeing are, are vast. I know the work we're doing on the National Underground Asset Registry is it's so significant. People are, it, hopefully it's going to be improving workforce safety, saving lots of money, and just in general, improving the quality of working lives. So just accounting for the efficiency of the projects, entering, entering the industry has, has made me extremely optimistic about the speed at which we can kind of redesign, reconstruct all these all these major major sites and and roads and everything for the young generation actually we need them because uh, they are more professional to use the technology uh, and develop that te te uh, technology so because they are uh, really adaptability and innovation uh, they can solve a problem they are very good on collaboration uh, the work because they when they are using the technology and ai uh, they can provide the engineers with uh, powerful tools uh, to solve the complex problems and optimize the engineering process. It does require a, a large change um, in terms of the ways we work and lots of people are resistant to that change and scared of AI and they're worried about the future implications of emerging tech and AI, which I think is understandable, but that's part of the reason why it's so important to raise awareness of AI and its uses and how we can use it in our everyday lives to improve our, our jobs. For example, we can get data-driven insights, it can improve workforce safety. There's the, we, we're still trying to understand the uses of this tech um, and I think that's why it's so exciting. But I think a large part of AI is looking at that cultural element and getting people to support the change in the adoption of this technology. The engineering sector is facing a skills crisis. The IET estimated that as of 2022, there is a shortage of 173,000 workers in UK STEM industries. The issue is only expected to get worse. As the population ages, we have already seen the average age of an engineer start to go up. To tackle this, hiring young graduates offers the perfect opportunity to get employees who have training in the latest technology systems, understand the digital world, and want to make a positive impact on the environment. Looking at it from that cultural perspective and getting everyone to understand the shift in our ways of working, because there is a big change required when using this technology. Um, I, I definitely experienced that when I was trying to um, encourage various teams to adopt this new uh, data-driven technology project essentially and um, it required changes to the ways of working and people are often resistant to change. 
but it's about getting people to understand the value it can bring. And I think the younger generation are quite good at that. Like I said, we usually see good at ad adapting to um, future technologies. Because of the emerging technology, it doesn't take a very experienced engineer to be able to do the, the jobs done. I would say that the hurdles, the hurdles needed to, to enter the industry, such as an undergraduate at an engineering university or certificates to become a professional, those, those are more important because it, it kind of, it kind of, kind of arms, arms the employee with the knowledge needed to even utilize the technology. It's not just that engineering needs to get younger. To close the skills gap, engineering needs to become more diverse in many ways. In 2018, an Engineering UK report found that just 8.1% of engineers in the UK were from ethnic minority backgrounds. And a Women's Engineering Society report found that just 16.5% of engineers were women. The only way to diversify engineering is through the next generation of engineers. As more engineering firms embrace technology and the green revolution, the more enticing the engineering industry will feel for young people, which is already showing results in bringing through a more diverse generation of engineers. While only 16.5% of engineers are women, back in 2010 that number was just 10.5%. And Eric is seeing in his classrooms that diversity is improving. In terms of demographics, they have changed quite significantly. I think our, our school specifically, the last year or the year before that, our, our women students, female students were over the 50% mark. And that, that was a huge change from, from kind of where the school started and, and what the engineering discipline has looked like. That The number of underrepresented minorities, that, that percentage, that, that value, or those number of people have increased quite rapidly as well. So, so that's, certainly, um, that's certainly changing from the traditional kind of a stereotype or what you would think of a construction employee being that that's changing quite rapidly. And I, I think just curiosity about the industry and certainly um, a student's ability to engage with technology and, and kind of implement that technology and that innovative culture with the company that that's that's certainly driving that as well. With the threats the world faces from climate change and sustainability to hunger and poverty, the next generation isn't worried. They're ready to get involved and make change. They just need to be given the opportunity. Engineering Matters is a production of Rebe Media. This episode was written and produced by me, Johnny Dowling, and hosted by me and Rian Owen. Editing and series supervision by John Young. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson and putting all his eggs into the next generation is Rory Harris. Special thanks to our partner for this episode, Atkins Realis, and thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast apps, on our website, engineeringmatters.reby.media, and on LinkedIn.